Well, this is Music on the Edge. This is the fourth podcast, and I've come into Deptford. I want to first of all wish you all a very belated Happy New Year, as it's now 2019, and the last pod was way back in 2018. Um, I'm out on location again, and what I'm doing is coming into Deptford. I've already met a composer for a future uh, work for the Delta Saxophone Quartet. More of that on a future podcast but what I'm going to meet today is the person behind the saxophone and the person that all saxophonists and musicians woodwind players with the music on the edge go to when things go bump in the night or things go wrong going to be meeting Richard Mattingly the saxophone doctor and I'm going to introduce Richard to you now um, in a few minutes, so just here we go. We're going to give him a call, and hopefully, Richard's around. So uh, this is um, our way of making our instruments work when things go wrong. Hi, Chris. I should come and let you in. That's great, Richard. Thank you. Okay. Okay, they've sort of managed to wind my way up into your little workshop, Richard, and um, I've sort of introduced you as the saxophone guru or saxophone doctor or when things go bump in the night <laughs> or usually on stage or in gig bags and things uh, as instruments you've uh, you're the man we come to with a blue flashing light saying please rescue well, my saxophone so welcome to uh, music on the edge podcast thank you very much oh it's very nice to be here um although it has to be said that relatively speaking actually the emergency work yes of course it needs doing but actually much more of it is, is, is about maintenance, maintaining instruments, keeping them going, especially as a lot of the instruments that are interesting to people are old instruments. Yeah. So they need to be restored they, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So, Do you think um, it's maintaining musicians as well and their good mental health when a musician comes in to you in a traumatised fashion with a very traumatised saxophone? Or there is that, there is yeah. that. Yeah, there, there is, sometimes there is the, the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the first thing that people want, want to know is, 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 is that it is okay, it is, it is flexible. Yes, it's not the end of it. It's no, not the end of it. Yeah. Um, it's difficult though because of course if you damage an instrument and you repair it, it's a slightly different instrument yeah. every time you restore it, every time you repad it, every time you rebuild it, it's yeah. like a different incarnation of that instrument. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I look at these instruments sometimes, they don't come with histories like, like um, you know, in, in this sort of strings world where almost every minute of its playing history is recorded in you know, yeah. tombs of, of reference and that kind of thing. We don't know who these instruments be belong to, no. who recorded on them and that kind of thing. Might have been somebody famous, might not have been sort of yeah. thing, you know. But, you know, it, it's interesting to think that you know some of these instruments that are getting a bit long in the tooth now have probably already worn out three musicians yeah. in their lifetime, sort of thing. You know, <laughs> and yeah. an, an audience hopefully a little bit of fun for the audience. <laughs> so it is, yeah, it is quite interesting, and I do tend to specialise in, in the older instruments. You know, I mean, there's no reason not to work with modern instruments, yeah. um, but those tend to be looked after a little bit more by, by the, 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 the shops that sell them. Yeah. Um, and the whole kind of thing of working with older instruments, you know, like wooden flutes and old Louis Lot flutes that have been retuned and this sort of thing, yeah. it's actually quite tough on shop um, repair departments because they've got a lot of work to get through. Yeah. So 
being able to suddenly just sort of you know block out three days to rebuild something yeah is is, is hard you know yeah. whereas for me I can just basically take the phone off the hook if I want you know yeah. so that does make it much easier to sort of work work on these old instruments and for me it's it's more interesting it's more challenging you know because they have history yeah. you know they have had other repairs done on them over the years some good some bad some indifferent yeah um, and 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 what you're going to correct what you're not going to correct what do you change what's the ethics of, of, of you know you know um, is there a situation where you might need to take a file to an instrument yeah. you know and why would that be um, yeah. you know or, or has somebody else and why did they do that you know, the, actually learning a certain amount of the history of the instrument as you yeah, work it doesn't on. come with a mechanic when you think of a car very often each service point and it's been stamped by the you know the mechanics yeah they say okay that yeah. was the uh, 15,000 mile service, that's the 30, and it says what's been done. That's right. Yeah, On an instrument, like we don't have a log book no, really, do no, we? No. This is a bit like the old Jaguar that's found in a barn that's been a chicken shed for a while or yeah. something like that. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, they, they are literally sort of found in attics and that kind of thing, you know, in all, sorts, all sorts of, you know, terrible condition and that kind of thing, you know, yeah. and, and, and um, yeah, as you say, they, they, there's, no, there's no sort of written history of, 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 of what you're going to do. So. What I'm interested in is um, when I first came to college back in the early 80s, mm -hmm. I went to Golden Square and Foot, mm -hmm. which yep. you talk about the instrument shop, and then you went downstairs and yeah, there yeah. was uh, Laurie Coney mm -hmm. uh, yeah. down there, and there was Laurie uh, um, was an instrument repairer, and it was sort of going into a secret workshop in a way, and you yes. could see him disappear behind the glass screen, yeah. and there was his work, mm -hmm. and I obviously got the contact for that from my saxophone teacher at mm -hmm. the time, Steve yeah. Trier. Um, and then Laurie went into retirement, and you're in a profession where it's, um, you've talked about new instruments, but you're right, uh, musicians and professional musicians are trying to get uh, the colours and the inspiration from older instruments. How would somebody, um, uh, what was your route into becoming a instrument repairer rather than a performer right you, okay. there's no um, glory in being a repairer <laughs> in one sense yeah you're, you're the hidden away in these workshops and sure. places that an audience doesn't know a thing about yeah but the players do i think um one of the reasons that i never became a, a performer is yeah. uh, because i'm a terrible player which <laughs> <laughs> doesn't help very and actually i don't enjoy performance i don't actually like you know, standing up in, in, in front of people. So maybe there's a sort of character sort yeah. of side, side of side of that sort of thing. Um, I originally trained when I when I left school as a blacksmith. I used right. to make spiral staircases and wrought iron railings and things yeah. like that. Um, but we had a bit of a housing incident at the end of the 80s, which sort of put pay to the luxury end of the... Uh, blacksmith of the, of, the, of the building trade, really, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, Harmonious blacksmith. Have you thought about... Uh, <laughs> something like that. Your... Well, I did think if I was ever going to sort of, you know, become a maker, I might just use, the, the, you know, the, the symbol of the anvil as my uh, trade. Oh, well, like, you know? the anvil chorus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so there's musical connections. Somewhere there, yeah. yeah, lovely. Um, so, yeah, well, um, uh, I mean, essentially at that time, you know, the, the, you know I... Um, Stop trading in that business that, that yeah. I was working in. Um, I wanted to be at BSO in Africa for a while, thinking, yeah. well, you know, I might as well see where my skills can take me to ride out sort of recession and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, came back to the UK, and it was still, you know, a couple of years or so later, not a lot was happening. Um, so I basically went back to college and retrained. And what sort of put you in that direction of musical instruments, and what, where do you go? Because there used to be the College of Furniture Makers in Morley College, which was. Uh, for pianos and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they used to do, do woodwind. Oh, they do woodwind. Yeah, I, yeah. I was aware of that. More sure, and that, that's that, that's not there anymore. Yeah, that's um, this. So what? 
The only college course that I know of, um, well, where, where I studied, yeah. I first studied in Edinburgh, and I think that course isn't there anymore. Right. Um, and then I went to New York and Sherwood, which right. is the major college, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I, I think certainly in terms of their, their approach to training, yeah. um, you know, I could sum up the course fundamentally by saying if you can repair anything, you should be able to make an instrument. So that's what you do. You make a whole okay. clarinet as well as everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, there's, there's not many courses that are that sort of, um, yeah. you know, um, um, focused really, right. you know, to take you that far, yeah. further than you really need to go as a repairer. But because you've gone further, yeah. it already starts you with quite a lot of experience. Right, I see. Um, so you're actually making... Yeah, you're making yeah. an instrument, okay. you know. So, so therefore, when you've got a bent instrument, that you're kind of thinking, how should this go together? Yeah. You've already, you know, because you've actually had to physically make things fit around each other, yeah. um, you, you, you're in a much better position to kind of think, okay, I think that bit should be there, and then that bit can be there, and then that bit can go over there. I think that's how it used to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so it, I think essentially what I'm saying is that actually it teaches you not only a lot of hand skills, but it teaches about critical thinking as well, yeah. which I think is something that I think it's quite a history. overlooked in our modern world somewhat. Yeah, I mean, in the history of, I think I'll go back to my saxophone teacher, Steve Trier, and he used to disappear into his shed, and there was sort of this post-Second World War sort of inventor sort of ideas, mm -hmm. I mean, um, seeing on the bass planet now the wooden bells, Of course, yeah, 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 and, and there's the, the, the extra extensions, one or two yeah. sort of semitones, depending on what, how long it was when it started off. Sort of That's thing. right, and yeah. you think in the flute world of Eva Kingmer and yeah. the key-on-key key mechanism for sure. the quarter tones in the... But then so you, you this, go back to, the, to Albert Cooper yeah. and the whole, uh, all of the London players, and this is where the modern scale has come from, yeah. um, which, you know, ribbers taken forward and that kind yeah. of thing, you know, very, very much... Um, Albert's work, and again, Albert was 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 a you know straightforward person, and I think I remember reading in in his his um, um, uh, book about what he had done that that he started off his um, recalculation of flute tone hall positions and sizes from looking at a book um, about guitar making and the ratio used for sort of bringing the frets closer and closer and closer yeah. as he went up the scale, and he kind of thought, well, okay, if, if that's where we're starting from, yeah. and, and he kind of went away from that both through experimentation and and, and that sort of kind of thing. Well, of course, with um, tempered pitch, of it's, course, a, yeah. it's, it's a, a approximate... It's a moving target, really, it is, isn't it? it? It's, it's I mean, not exactly... We're all doomed, really, before we start. And, of course, as, you know, as, as, as anyone that's ever had a, a, a go at anything from a record upwards, you realise yeah. that, that uh, you can move the pitch quite a lot on a woodwind instrument. Yes. You know, so, yeah. so what yeah. is in tune is, 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 is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. And I, I think that's something I've noticed a lot, for example, between the more classic uh, saxophones and more modern saxophones. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but I tend to find on an older horn, I tend to have to kind of lift the pitch ever so slightly as I'm running up the scale. Yeah. And then as I overblow, go back to the bottom of the scale again in the second octave, just drop it a little bit. Yeah. There's a little bit of a change between the C, C sharp and the D. But no saxophone or instrument is in tune. And that's exactly. Bit, but I find with more modern yeah. instruments, that's, that's more of a, a, a more neutral embrasure and that yeah. kind of thing. So, so it seems that there have been different styles over time. Yeah. Do you think when, they, when you're sort of uh, with the modern instruments and you're aiming to try and get something in perfectly chromatic scale, everything in line with each other, but we know with acoustics you're destroying the the, the basics of sound in, in a way. Do you think the character is in a way by compromising trying to make the instrument I don't, nearly in tune or not? Do I don't think, think there's one answer nonsense? to that. I okay. mean, for example, I've got a an old comm saxophone in here that somebody yeah. asked me to do a little bit of tuning, um, but it's only on the 
top end of the second octave, but then yeah. of course if I do, you know, um, yeah. I'm, and I'm doing it in a very simple way, I'm just gluing in little slithers of cork to sort of essentially bring the tone holes down the tube a little bit. Yeah. But I know it will affect both octaves because yeah. they're the same tone holes, of but can I find a better compromise? Yeah. I can't make it perfect, yeah. but is there a better compromise? And I think this is, you know, what people have been doing forever yeah you're right you know, i mean we have ears we have ears, we, have ears. We, we also have really complicated sums yeah. uh, and um <laughs> but unfortunately they have a, you know, a small amount of error uh and if you if you think of a, a separate sum for each tone hole and then yeah. the gap between the tone hole by the time Compound, you've had enough compounding errors, errors yeah yeah, yeah you, you, you can sort of work out where you want the instrument to be within you know an inch or two or something yeah. like that which is obviously not nearly accurate enough and so we go back to, to sort of empirical type yeah. you know things and people come up with new instruments and sometimes they're in tune sometimes they're not right. you know um so yeah it's 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 a very very complex subject um and we don't know the answers yet no which is great actually which isn't is great, it it's lovely it's, yeah. it's the unfinished symphony of trying to make things that's work. right yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's down yeah. away to the player and then the listener what they that's see right. from yeah that. and, and i think that you know i mean that's one of the reasons why I mean, you, you, you were talking about um, Laurie down Foots yeah. sort of disappearing off into his secret world. Yeah. And as I think you know, you know, quite often we'll actually repair in front of people. Because yeah. I'm quite interested in demystifying it. You know? yeah. you know, all I'm actually doing is taking this leather pad made out of felt and cardboard, yeah. uh, gluing it in with shellac, which is actually derived from beetles in Asia. It's you know, ancient, isn't it, when you think of beetle in amber? <laughs> yeah, all of these strange, strange yeah. sort of materials. But nevertheless, all I'm really doing is just melting it and moving it very, very precisely until it covers as, 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 as precisely as I can. It's yeah. not complicated. No. It's just really difficult. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, and even now, you know, seating the pad is a thing. Yeah. You know, uh, it's less of a thing than it was when, when I was a student. Right. But, you know, it's, it's never easy. And sometimes, you know, I think it's just a duff pad. Start again, you know, yeah. this sort of thing. Um, so, so, but, but I, I, I've never really sort of believed in the, the sort of mystifying the profession. Yeah. Because I think by demystifying it, we actually open the door a bit more to having conversations about, uh, about this. And I think this is exactly what Cooper was doing, why he was able to improve the flute, yeah. both in terms of its scale and in terms of the design of the embrasure hole yeah. and the lip plate. And, and, you know, I mean, he really did sort of move know, as, as much as, as, as uh, maybe Bohm did in redesigning yeah. instruments of okay he wasn't redesigning the system which yeah. Bohm was but nevertheless in terms of um, making a sort of quantum leap of quality yeah I think Cooper was you know in the flute world was was the next person after Bohm if that makes sense it's brilliant and he did it by talking to people yeah it's brilliant with flute isn't it when you think it's probably the most ancient of instruments mm. with the with the bone whale bone flute yes. which is found but now you've got someone and you're talking about Cooper and um, moving it forward. Exactly. I mean, I love the saxophone. You can say, it was invented, Adolf Sax. Yeah, and, it yeah. was at, and it was at the big Paris festival that he invented. Sure. And the fact that these in, that saxophone was an invented instrument, mm. which is suddenly, wow. And yeah, it gives yeah. it that difference yeah. to, mm. to other yeah. things. Yeah, which is quite unusual. Most instruments have sort of evolved out of something else. Yeah. Something, yeah. And, and the fact yeah. that Adolf Sax did valves. You did and, actually, yeah, yeah, and all sorts of strange instruments. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. I love that. That's he must have been quite world. an eccentric character, I think. I think he was. It's the mad <laughs> inventor's time. Yeah, very much so, yeah. But on such a scale as well, you know, some of those sort of sax ones are like those ginormous Oh, it's ridiculous. You know, yeah. you, I don't think you could even afford well, to, Ryan to, Air, to... A Ryanair delight, I'd say. You can't like that, take yeah. that on our flights, <laughs> yes, <sir>. yes, <laughs> Ever. actually doesn't go through the door, sir. <laughs> no, yeah, so that's it. But there is that sort of mad eccentric. What I'm 
wondering, um, as a musician, we get uh, the joy of being able to obviously play together with other people. Um, so it's, there's the social element of, of being a performer mm. and a musician. Um, and then also sharing music with an audience and getting the feedback there. And you're talking about demystifying being um, your repair work and also moving things forward. Maybe you're inventing new ideas and ways of doing something. Uh, and you might be sharing it with us. But it's, again, where do you get your um, sort of a, a joy from what is, in essence, your inner workshop and no one really knows what's going on there. Where do you, is it with a glass of red wine at the end of the day, or do you, is that, is the feel of reward? As a musician, I'm saying you get a, sure. an yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah. Get, how does it work? Where, yeah. where, where's the satisfaction? Of that? Yeah, yeah. Where, where, okay. where are you getting that from? I'm intrigued. Well, um, I mean, on a number of levels, really. Um, I mean, seating pad's not very easy, so it's quite satisfying when you do. Yeah. Really, occasionally you glue one in and it actually seats perfectly. You do you know? go punch in the air? Kind of, yeah. I once had okay. three in a row that did that straight hard <laughs> thing. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, I think I might take the rest of the day off. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So, so there, there, there's that kind of thing. Um, and then there is also actually trying to find from that instrument what the player wants. Okay. Um, so that's quite satisfying. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, quite commonly people come in uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hand them saxophone and they'll play a couple of scales and arpeggios, maybe a couple of long notes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think everyone has their little sort of test test run just to see yeah. whether it reads we all do the same kind of old thing. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that's just about it. Um, and, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but then it is quite interesting to actually sort of see people, um, you know, playing actually, you know, in, in you know, you know, in a live gig, you know, yeah. w w when it's, it's the real McCoy, you know, yeah. and chips are down and um, being able to, I suppose, in a bizarre sort of way, what I'm actually trying to do is make the instrument disappear. Right. If you're having to think about what you're doing with your instrument all the time because they've got that clatter there and you have to remember that that key doesn't always come up or sticks down or something like that, yeah. you know, we've only got so much brain speed so the more yeah. you're thinking about your instrument the less yeah. you're listening the less you're actually thinking about that's music a lovely, so the more of that thought. I can take away yeah. the more that you can actually do go music. to that next level of yeah. as a performer where you actually forget what you're doing yeah you know, yeah exactly yeah. and then yeah. ideally it's actually coming from your brain yeah. in literally into the atmosphere I like that so in a, in a weird way that, that might sound strange that what I'm trying to do is make my work disappear but that yeah. actually is the point of it yeah and actually when you're watching somebody sort of you know kind of you know Go off on one if you like. Yeah, that's actually quite satisfying because you realise you're you're kind of part. You've been part of that process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you you found a way of getting some sort of reward from that because it is it's all about teamwork. Yeah, being a musician. Sure. Um, we're freelance. You're freelance. We're all trying. We're doing this incredible juggling act, and when we juggle and drop an instrument, then you it's, come in on the act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh no, not help. again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you've done the same thing. Um, when I grew up, uh, music was very much um, state-funded and state-supported, so we had um, we actually had an in-house repairman for Staffordshire Music Education. Okay, yeah. And uh, so all of the instruments in Staffordshire, which went out to the state schools, that, there was a job there for someone. There was a string repairer mm. and a woodwind repairer, sure. etc. Yeah, and yeah. there was a huge support network for them. Yeah. I think in London, in a London Education Authority, there was a similar, mm -hmm. they had in-house repairers there. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, now, with music education and a provision of instruments, have you seen a huge de decline in your work, or have you just had to re-calibrate? Um, mm -hmm. What I'm sort of saying, it isn't 
not a lot of youngsters now coming to you to get their instruments fixed. Is it a throwaway society so and they buy a new sax and then... It, it is more of a throwaway yeah. society. I think when I started out, because when I left college, I worked for uh, two top uh, uh, repair shops in London. Okay. So I essentially did um, a flute apprenticeship yeah. uh, and then I did an oboe apprenticeship and yeah. then I did a saxophone and clarinet apprenticeship. So okay. I, I basically spent nearly a decade sort of you know, on top of my college thing. Yeah doing this sort of thing. Now, because those are companies that were selling good quality instruments at the student level, as well as intermediate and professional yeah. level, then we looked after quite a lot of students. Yeah. Being self-employed, I have to head for the top end of the market. Yeah. So the price that I would charge to repad a professional level flute yeah. is very nearly the value of a student flute. Yeah. So I can't really afford to do more than kind of keep them going. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, it's a throwaway society, and partly that's because many of those instruments are manufactured in the Far East, right? Uh, where wages are very different, and therefore the difference in wage structures across the globe yeah. is what's going on there. Yeah. Um, and I think if we went, you know, back, um, you know half a century or so, many more of the instruments were, were, were manufactured here and, and somehow the whole way our economies worked meant that it was much more viable to rebuild those instruments. Right. I'm thinking of Boozy and Hawks, obviously. Sure, here, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And all that kind of thing. Now it's know. a publisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, instruments. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and a, a few people love their 1010s, but yeah. not many. Uh, and, 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 and there's and Peter that. Eaton, I think, uh, yeah. sort of following that mould, isn't there? That, the wide bore um, yeah. uh, um, design clarinet and that yeah. kind of thing, and the sort of English design rather than, rather than the sort of French design, yeah. sort of buffet. And, 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 Are there any new kids on the block? I mean, as in mouth in the mouthpiece world, in the flute head joint world, there's still elements. Are there any saxophone, clarinet, UK sort of manufacturers? There are a little bit, I think. Is Daniel Bangham Cambridge Wood Brim? Is he manufacturing clarinet? You know, I'm not I don't sure. Know. No, Maybe. I don't know either. We'll have to, I'll have to have a look I at wonder that, if yeah. there are anyone else coming through. I didn't uh, know if you'd seen any of their instruments. And not, they certainly haven't been through my workshop. Okay. But yeah. I think also, with I mean, the, the flute world is one of the world that still has people individually make flutes. Yeah. And there are, around the globe, quite a lot of people making yeah. relatively low numbers of very high quality instruments yeah. and I think in the flute world that's more than any other yeah um, any other instrument because in Howarth obviously we'll mention Howarth because mm. obviously the Howarth oboes yeah, yeah. So mm. they're known for that yeah yeah I'm, and I'm we've both done plenty of business with them <laughs> yeah exactly that <laughs> or worked for them yeah. um, <laughs> and yes and they have you know they obviously they, they are a manufacturer in yeah. this country and that kind of thing uh, and, and and well established internationally you know they, yeah. they have a very good reputation for their instruments yeah um, but that's unusual I can't think of anyone else manufacturing on that scale here yeah I can think of Mike Allen yeah Hand making flutes. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many people have uh, have down, you know, down in a um, sort of place down in Worthing, but yeah. it's definitely not just one man. No. You know, uh, and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so I think you know the, 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 there must be a sort of critical mass in terms of economies of scale and how you go about manufacturing and you know all, all, all that kind of thing. Um, and have you got what to, to round this off? What are your sort of what's still exciting you about the business? What's still exciting me about the business? Or is nothing? <laughs> That's a difficult question. Um, I would say that what's exciting me about the business, although I don't quite know who's really getting to grips with it, yeah. 
certainly in the saxophone world, is why are our old instruments so interesting yeah. and why are our modern instruments, do we feel that they're not as interesting? Which yeah. I think is, is, I would say, amongst, how would I say, amongst solo players yeah. uh, quite a thing. I think perhaps for people that are working in horn sections or doing session work, yeah. um, modern instruments work really well. They are yeah. more in tune, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, They are more reliable because they're not, and very often more powerful as yeah, we're talking uh, about exactly. the venting of keys mm. just when I came in yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you want the key to be it's not that they're terrible no. in any shape or form they're great instruments but there, there seems to be a sort of quality that we're still interested in yeah. in instruments that are at least 50 years old yeah and I'm quite interested in you know why for yeah. me I know what it is it's about sound yeah and of course yeah I'll go, and I'll go back to my teacher mm -hmm. to, I don't care where you stick it or how you blow it yeah. let's hear what it sounds like first mm -hmm. yeah and then if there were problems within that yes then then those can, things as a player can them, be yeah. fixed and yeah. maybe as a an instrument repairer or maintenance sure yeah there, there are certain things that you can yeah. do and, 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 and sort of, you know make an instrument go in a certain yeah. direction you know, for example you know as we were talking about with the yeah. vent height and, and how you know how that can, how that can affect the tonality yeah. and the playability and the, the texture of how the instrument plays and all, that, all those you know very subtle things yeah. but is it just that the the the, the, the shape of a Mark Six crook is different, and actually, it's to do with the bore. Is it to do with the uh, mixture of the metals? Possibly even the things that aren't supposed to be in the mix. Yeah. I don't know whether anyone's gone away and analysed them and said, "Hmm, we're not supposed to have any zirconium in there or whatever it is." What was around at the time? Yeah, probably, sure. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, they're, they're, you know, one yeah. one of the many many sort of you know mysteries, mysteries. You know, was was that there was a lot of scrap brass from um, from after the Second World War. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, that was melted down and made into things. So make do and mend instruments. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. whether that's drawn off, no idea actually. You yeah. know, but um, I, I think that's probably where I'd start looking. You know, both the dimensions and that kind of thing. So it would be interesting to see whether we could, you know, sort of, sort of recreate some of that. Or is it simply that they are because they're old and they've been yeah. played for a really long time? They've kind of matured and mellowed. Yeah. It'd just be interesting a bit, to know. A bit of everything. Yeah, a bit of everything. It'd you know, be interesting to know the answer, though. Yeah. So, so, you know, in the back of my mind, that's always sort of, you know, sort of, sort of going around, which well, I'm quite happy to you know, try a bit of tuning for somebody. It doesn't always work, you know. No. But, um, you know, that, that's, um, that's the nature of experimentation, you know. Um, well, that's lovely. As a player, we're still within the saxophone quartet, and what I do is experimenting and trying new things. Mm, and, yeah, and, yeah. And experimenting with sound. And that, that gives me uh, the creative side, what... Music on the Edge, which this is this podcast mm -hmm. is yeah. about, yes. and it's trying new things out or trying old things with new things and seeing where we end up. Yeah, and uh, and and, 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 and um, you know, really the only way to find these things out is it's it's to, to do them. It. It's to do them. You know, and, and I think that that that's um, you know, in our age where you know so many things are you know done by apps for us or, yeah. or whatever, you know, or arrive in sort of you know cups, uh, you know. <laughs> That we then throw away and that it, it, it arrives from Amazon, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or somebody similar. I'm sure yeah. there are uh, many other mail order yeah. you know, type firms. Uh, and actually, so actually, just getting on and doing something, getting yeah. your hands dirty, and that kind of thing, I, I think is actually a relatively rare privilege in, in, in our era. Oh, that's lovely. And that's, yeah. and that's one of the privilege. reasons I that, that right. I like to work with my hands. Yeah. You know. I, I really thank you for allowing me to uh, invade this little, not little it's space. not an invasion uh, at all. Um, mm. It's a place I always enjoy coming to. But enjoy leaving more because usually it's fixed the problem I've come into. I hope uh, so, yeah, yeah. Well, at least partially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's part of the ongoing thing. It is, exactly. And, um, and, and the ongoing for, you know, exploration. And, for you being know. the support mechanism for many, many players. And um, just to say, it is appreciated that we can 
you're still around and new people coming in. There's always someone new in, in the workshop here, so which is lovely to see. And give us a hello from the back. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Polishing away and listening in. And um, hopefully we can drop in again at some time, yeah. but thank you for uh, being part of this podcast. So uh, we could retire you. to a venue close to here where... Indeed. Should we, we should meet in the office? We could meet in the other office. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. Yes. laughs>